This Claves Online exclusive podcast is brought to you by Fast Eddie's Bonaire, powered by Ameren, Illinois. Our guest today is former Cardinal, now the San Diego Padres. He is Tommy Pham. And first of all, Tommy, thanks for joining me. An interesting time in our lives. So what's keeping you busy these days? Actually, man, I've been pretty busy, you know, just trying to stay ready just in case the season actually gets up and running. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm ready. Now, for you, you're a guy that puts in a lot of work. So have you tried to scale things back a little bit? Give me your daily routine. Or, or do you take the same approach you would be taking as if it was your off season and you're working on your swing and you're working on the rest of your game? Actually, Mike, I, I haven't been scaling back. I've actually been, been using this time constructively because, you know, with everything shut down, there really isn't much to do other than train. So um, I'm, I'm just basically using this time to fine-tune every area of my game. And um, I think, you know, if, if the season were to start up, you know, I would probably be in the best shape um, and the best playing condition I've ever I've ever been in. You know, as I mentioned, this is something that's different for all of us. Uh, what are you learning about yourself in this shutdown? Because, you know, there's a lot of quiet time. There's a lot of personal time that people have. Uh, some people spend it with their families. Other people, you know, find themselves a little bit more isolated. But for you, uh, as a dedicated athlete and as, as, as a person who has a lot of things they'd like to do in life, what do you learn about yourself? How much passion I have for this game and uh, how much I actually love this game. Because, um, you know, as a fan of baseball and as a major league player, um, as a major league player first, you don't really realize how much passion you have for the game until it's taken away from you. And, um, you know, as a fan of the game, it's just, you know, this time just really shows how much I, I, I love baseball, how, how much passion I have for it every 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 aspect of it. You know, if I'm not playing it, I'm, I'm watching it. Um, whether it be the news or just every, everything baseball. Yeah, so in that case, you know, other than playing the game and getting ready, what do you find that you're missing most? Is it the, the camaraderie? Is it just the, the approach and how you go about it? Because, you know, most people understand that this isn't a game you just hop out of the car and walk into the ballpark and start playing. There's a lot of things that lead up to the game. Agreed. Um, I do miss the camaraderie, you know, um, I, I always felt like, you know, because I grew up playing basketball and football as well. I always felt like the camaraderie in baseball was a little bit different, a little bit better than the other sports. But um, um, right now, I'm, 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 I also miss playing it. You know, this is that time of the year where, you know, where, where it's the first month of the season and, and it's a full go. All right, so I want to go back to something. I know you 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 were a hooper. Lisa, that, well, you that's what you tell people. They tell me you were a football player. So who would you liken yourself now that's playing in the game? If Tommy Pham was in the NBA, who would Tommy Pham be and what what would who would Tommy Pham be in the NFL? I'll probably be a DB, you know. I I grew up as a quarterback, but um I mean, who knows? I could probably play quarterback too, but you know, Mike, I train with a lot of uh, DBs and wide receivers in the offseason. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I have similar skill set and athleticism as, as them, um, especially back in my, my younger days. You know, <laughs> I would say 
10 years ago, you know, when I was 22, I was definitely a very explosive athlete. Um, basketball, a player, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to disrespect any players nowadays, you know, like that. But I, I do see myself as maybe a, a safety, you know, the center fielder out there. And uh, basketball-wise, man, I used to love to shoot threes and I used to love to dunk. <laughs> All right. So maybe a little so, Steph Curry somewhere along the way. Or did you Steph have handles like mean, Steph Curry? I mean, Steph, man, Steph Curry is one of the best. Like I said, I don't, I can't disrespect no player like that. You know, if I, if I we was, would give it time, gifted, if we give it gifted, time, I was a gift. I mean, I'm light skinned like Steph Curry. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so you got that going for you, if nothing else, right? Yeah, okay. <laughs> if nothing else. All right. Hey, you know, uh, it's been a while since fans have had a chance to hear you talk. Um, you've been with a with the Tampa Bay Rays, you got in postseason with them, and now you're with San Diego. Uh, what have you learned since you left the Cardinals? I mean, you've been with a, a, a fledgling organization in Tampa that's a really good team. I, I thought they really made a, a real name for themselves. And then you go to San Diego, which is another good young up, upcoming team. But what have you learned about the game once you left St. Louis, and what are some of the things you took from St. Louis and how you were taught the game here that you've been able to apply in both other places? Well, great questions, Mike. I learned in Tampa how winning baseball is about having a good pitching staff, or I'm sorry, a great pitching staff. It's all about preventing runs and scoring runs. You know, in Tampa – they have the pitching staff to prevent runs and they have the defense to prevent runs. So it always tells me, you know, winning, winning baseball starts with, with pitching and defense. You can find a way to score runs, but you need pitching and defense in this game. Um, the, the offense is just the icing on the cake to me, you know, cause in Tampa, we, we found ways to, to prevent runs and we found ways to score runs basically by, by playing the game hard, you know, running hard nineties that seemed to always keep us in the game. You know, we, we were that team in Tampa that, that no team really wanted to be in the game or close, have a tight run, tight game late in the game against because we, we always found a way to win it. Um, That's what it seemed like. Also, I, I learned. Uh, I mean, analytically, I've, I've I always consider myself one of the the few guys in the sport that understands you know the analytics of the game. But I'm starting to understand the analytics of the game um, financially, and it's uh, I think it's it's good as, as a player just to educate yourself on that aspect of the game. You know, just to know your worth. So you you know you you're not you're out here. Um, not sitting days and days in free agency. And, and, you know, when you go to arbitration, you just, you know, you, you and your team could, could possibly avoid and settle for uh, an, uh, a figure and, and prevent an arbitration if you, if you know your worth. But St. Louis taught me so much, man. They taught me how to be a professional. And a lot of that is from, you know, my teammates. I, I came up with two of the best guys. Yadi, Yadi Molina and uh, Adam Wainwright. And the things they showed me as a professional, man, I'm, I'm forever grateful for them because the, the, the word a pro's pro 
goes so unnoticed nowadays because you don't see too many of them. You know, Wayno and Yachty, they showed up every day and they really did everything they could or can to help the team win. You know, whether it's in the weight room, in the video room, in the trainer's room. And I'm so, like I said, I'm so grateful for them that they showed me that. And um, that's just one thing that I've continued to to do as myself because I had such great mentors. And, you know, it carried in Tampa. You know, guys always saw me working. Um, You know, I don't have time to really um, fool around on card games or, you know, whatever before a game because I'm, you know, I'm so focused on being prepared for the game. You know, I want to ask you about that because anybody who's been around you knows that you take your job serious. I mean, as serious as anybody. And and I know that maybe some players feel like maybe you took it too serious. How do you respond to that? Because I know you weren't that guy that was playing cards and not that you were opposed to, but that just wasn't you. How did that mesh with new players and guys in another organization when they saw how serious you took the game? I mean, it can get taken out of perspective, but in in all honesty, you know, I'm I'm really just trying to play this game as long as I can because I know the day there's going to be a day when you know that jersey's going to get taken off of my back, and I just want to leave the game and, and say I did everything I can for myself and for the team, and I I, I could know that I left the game with with dignity rather than regret. You know, that's how I look at it. You know, I I did everything because that day is going to come. But, you know, I want to be able to walk away from the game knowing I did everything I could to be the best me and knowing I played the game as long as I possibly could. Tommy Pham is our guest, and it's brought to us by Ameren, Illinois. Uh, I want to go back to something you talked about, the analytics, because you were one of the first guys that I knew as a player that understood analytics better than most people, including people who were in the front offices in different situations. Uh, how did you come about wanting to embrace that? I, was it when you were injured a lot and you had a lot of th- time on your hands rehabbing, having a chance to read and, and learn about the game off the field? Actually, it wasn't. You know, I, I tell this people, I, or I tell people all the time about how analytics became part of my game and, and in all honesty, you know, when I talk to a lot of players that are good, the great players in today's game, you know, the, the big names, a lot of these guys know analytics. <laughs> they do. They're just they might not they might not understand the the, the dollar sign behind it um, as much as me, but they know analytics. Um, it's just it's just you know not enough guys in the game know analytics and I think that's that's what's problematic because that's how we're getting evaluated today um you know and that's important you know if wouldn't you want to know um if how you're evaluated at your job if your job told you hey this is what matters you know this is what we care about this is how you're going to keep a job wouldn't you want to know about these these things I know I sure do um but that's that's me personally, um, and apparently, you know, a lot of a lot of guys, or I should say, the best guys in the game today, they agree with me. Um, but I got I got introduced to analytics 
2010, I got I got promoted from from high A to double A, and I was hitting 262, and I didn't understand why I was getting promoted um, because I always thought you had to hit 300 to get promoted. You know, you had to. I always thought you had to um, hit some home runs as well, you know, and RBIs, all, all this stuff that just kind of really doesn't matter other than home runs. And, um, you know, in this process, I asked the Cardinals' current hitting coach, who was my hitting coach at the time, Jeff Albert. I was in a room with Jeff Albert, Dennis Martinez, and Louis Aguayo, and they just told me I got promoted. And I asked why, and they, they broke down some stuff that I didn't even know about. You know, uh, they, they, they mentioned how my OPS on the road in uh, that year in high A was, was around 900, but at home at Roger Dean Stadium, it was, it was in the high 600s. And they, they believed that that park was suppressing my numbers. Um, then they told me, you know, I'm, I'm walking well above – they told me, they told me I'm, my line drive percentage is up. They told me my strikeout percentage is down. And uh, they basically told me I'm a better hitter in terms of numbers because the numbers say that I'm controlling the strike zone. The numbers say that I'm, I'm hitting the ball harder. I just have a tough ballpark. Uh, and they said, we believe you're going to go up to double A and not only do good, but do very good. And, you know, I went up to double A and you know how, you know, and anytime you get promoted, there's a little bit of, you know, you're a little worried, you know, how you're going to perform, you know, that's just, you know, butterflies, I guess. But I went up to double A and I, I took off, I, I hit 340. And when I did that, I told myself, you know what, I need to start, I need to learn what they look at. And I, I need to I need to know everything that they look at, and uh, I need to learn this ASAP because this is what's going to make me better. And, and um, through that process of of just becoming more studious of the game, I became a better hitter. We're visiting with Tommy Fam. Hey, you know, there's been so much discussion about when we're going to start playing and where we're going to play, and, and I know everybody's got an opinion, and I think it's still. Um, some way away, but I, I think we're going to play. But let me ask you this. When we do start playing, what do you think the biggest change might be? And what do you hope we see more of and certainly less of? A lot of guys are going to be hungry, you know, hungry to play. And um, I, I would assume that, you know, guys are using this time productively and getting them to the best shape of their lives. So I, I would think we would probably see uh, a little bit of more I would I would say we would see less injuries this year um, with all the downtime to recover but I think we would see more maybe definitely more strikeouts in the short amount of time but more home runs because I would I would imagine guys are stronger pitchers are stronger hitters are stronger so so you're gonna see more power stuff more guys coming at you with their best. And also, you know, the, the position players are in a stronger stronger state. So, you know, more power. So more power from both sides of the game and so, less injuries. 
Hey, Mike Claiborne here. And by the way, thanks for listening to ClavesOnline.com. Before we go any further, coming up next, I want to introduce you to one of my friends from Ameren, Illinois. He's the vice president of gas operations. He is Eric Kozak. That's right. They're not just an electric company. They're also a gas delivery provider. Now, when you talk about smelling and locating gas and the potential for you to have a problem, what are some of the problems and some of the issues a customer could have aside from as the eventual, perhaps an explosion of some sort. So what are some of the other concerns you try and maintain? Yeah, so our number one concern is uh, calling 811 before you dig. 811 is a national number. People will come out and they will mark the lines for you and let you know where your gas service is. So if you're putting in a basketball hoop or you're putting in a bush, call 811. Because if you don't call 811, you might have to call 911. <laughs> and we want to prevent that call. So that's the main issue is people calling 811 before you dig so you know where the pipelines are in the ground. Is there a charge for that? There's no charge for 811. <laughs> in a situation where you're going to do some work, as you mentioned, how deep do you have to go before you would hit on a gas line? You know, I, if you're sticking in a shovel in the ground, you should call 811. You know, we don't, uh, you know, we put our uh, pipes in. You know, 24 inches for service and 30 inches, but landscape change over time. You know, different things happen. You don't know what the previous homeowner did. He might have took a bunch of dirt off. So if you're going to stick a shovel in the ground, you need to call 811 before you dig. And I just want people to know that, you know, natural gas is a clean, reliable, safe fuel. But like any source of energy, it can be dangerous. So if you do smell gas, you know, pick up the phone and call us. We respond 24-7, seven days a week, no charge, ever. And we respond on average within 22 minutes. Over 33,000 calls a year we get, and our average response time is around 22 minutes. And I think that's pretty good. I think it's impressive. So that's, that's the main thing is. And have your equipment checked out, and it's a wonderful product you can use for many, many years worry-free. We're visiting with Tommy Pham. Have you had a chance to pick up any new hobbies along the way? Yeah, binge watching. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to that club. So, give me some suggestions, man. What what's on what's on your to do list? What have you been watching a lot of? I just recently got caught up to uh, Fifty Cent's new new show. It's called For Life. Um, it's actually uh, based off a true story uh, regarding a a man wrongly convicted. And um, he goes to prison and he becomes a lawyer in prison, gets a law degree in prison. And uh, from this uh, law degree, he, he starts working on his case to free himself and others. So it's a pretty good show, man. I, I was I was strongly suggested. Um, I just got done watching season three of Ozarks and season four of Money Heist. And uh, I, I'm, I'm all the way up to season five on Breaking Bad. Okay, so you you have been spending some time. Read any good books at all? Nah, and I, I actually bought a book, um, an audio book, but I haven't. I mean, it, it's sad to say, all the time I have, I haven't uh, started it. But uh, uh, also, I would recommend Power too. Power is a is a great show if you haven't uh, if you haven't watched that. Okay, all right. So you you got a, you you're spread out here. You got enough things to do on that front. I bought a new book, though, Mike, called Swing Kings, man. I'm, I'm going to dive into that. <laughs> Just <laughs> you keep know, uh, getting Jared that swing Diamond. going. Nothing, nothing wrong with that, man. You, I don't know I anybody mean, Jared who... Diamond wrote a book about, uh, about you know, the new launching, and I'm, I want to... 
I'm curious about it, so we'll see. Give me your thoughts on launch angle and, and how the game of hitting is taught these days because, you know, everybody's, you know, well, we see a lot of guys, and even in the youth of, of baseball with the uppercut swing and they're trying to jack. Uh, you weren't that guy, but it seems like everybody feels like this is the, the new norm. I'm not sure if I agree with it or not, so give me your thoughts on it. Mike, I've I've tried everything. I've tried everything. I've worked with some of the best hitters game. And one thing I could tell you is we do not practice you might see on video. If anything, we practice maybe the complete opposite way to to get that result that you see on video. And a lot of people are trying to teach what they see on video and it actually has a reverse effect. Um, that's just, I mean, a short dive into, into this conversation. But, uh, a lot of guys are, are trying to teach what, what they call launch angle. And it's, uh, it's not necessarily what we do or, or how we prepare ourselves. So I believe I believe they're creating they're creating longer swings. Yeah, and, and in reality, you might be able to hit some more home runs, but the consistency of of every day at bats where you know you you got to go out there and produce won't be there. So would you risk hitting you know a few more home runs for you know a slightly higher slugging percentage? Or would you rather have that consistent slugging percentage and on-base percentage? Um, you know, that's just my take on it. Okay. Hey. I believe I believe hitting, Mike, hitting is all about getting your body into the a consistent position that will produce consistent results. And that position is, is – good hitters get into that same position. It's a certain position that your body creates. And if, if you're producing that position, if you're loading the right way, your hips, your hips, your, your hips, your shoulders, everything will be lined up for you to be uh, consistent. Best hit. I'm going to run these questions by you. They're quick ones. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on the best hitting advice you ever gotten. Who did you get it from? Albert Pujols. I asked him, what was his two strike approach? I, I asked him, do you choke up? Do you get wider? And he said, no, I just have the same approach. He said, why would I ever want to be defensive? Why do I ever want to feel defensive up there? And I brainstormed that idea, and I, I, to this day, it's the best thing possible. Why would you want to feel defensive up there? Have the same approach you have as, as you do with you know, no strikes or one strike, and just, just control the strike zone. And, be, and, and know with two strikes you're going to have to hit that second and third pitch yeah. in the strike zone, of course. Or, or you can take the Willie McGee approach when you have two strikes, or how do you handle it? You never let it get to two strikes. <laughs> <laughs> you look early and you look often. All right, uh, other than yourself, who would you pay to watch play? There's a lot of guys. Mike Trout, Yellick, Mookie. I like Arenado. Those are, those are some some guys off the top of my list. Bellinger, you know, I, I like to watch the guys that could that could do everything. You mm -hmm. know, that can impact the game and and all all areas of the game. 
that's who I'll pay to play, pay to go see. All right, give me a good pitcher that you really have had good success against. A guy that you know when you look at his body of work and you know, wow, this guy's really good. But Tommy Pham says, yeah, he's good, all right, but I'm a little better on most occasions. Who's that guy? Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole. <laughs> you you got Those a good list of them. top of my head. <laughs> all right, who's yeah, I mean, who's a guy that gives some... you problems? Oh, Luis Castillo, man. You just... Luis Castillo gives me problems. Um, I'm trying to figure him out. He has. You just don't pick I mean, it up. He has plus stuff. Oh, I pick it up. I just don't hit it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, that that happens to a lot of guys. All right, uh, your tour duty in St. Louis. You you grew up a Cardinal. You, you'll die a Cardinal. Uh, what do you miss most about St. Louis? So you mentioned Yachty and Wayno earlier. What else do you miss? Because this is where you cut your teeth at, and and I know you had a great relationship with fans and and people in St. Louis. And but what do you miss most? Um, I mean, easily my teammates, but uh, the fans. You know, the fans are so loving. Um, in St. Louis, you, there, there's no other fans like St. Louis, St. Louis Cardinal fans. No place compares to the, the fans in St. Louis. I mean, you're loved, you're embraced, you know, you, they make you feel special, regardless of if you're Yachty or you're the 20, now the 26th guy on the team. All right, final question for Tommy Fam as you get ready for this season. I know you have personal goals, but but if when this is all said and done, how does Tommy Fan want to be remembered? Someone that did everything he could to be the best player he could be to help his team win. That came in every day in day out and gave his one hundred and ten percent. That's how I want to be remembered. Well, you got a lot more baseball in front of you, so hopefully uh, that'll be something we'll remember well down the road and hopefully when this schedule comes out and when this season gets underway that Tommy Pham will have a chance to come back to St. Louis. It's been a while so hopefully we'll have you back in St. Louis and uh, as long as you don't do too much damage when you get here. You can, you can enjoy the enjoy the furniture, just don't get too comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to come back man. I cannot wait to get back to St. Louis. All right, Tommy Pham is our guest, uh, brought to us by Ameren, Illinois. Tommy, as always, great to visit with you, man. I know you're working on that swing. Save a few for when they count this year, and and best of luck and best of health to you in 2020. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. He's Tommy Pham. I'm Mike Claiborne. We have a chance today to visit with Richard Mark, the chairman and president of Ameren, Illinois. And Richard, considering how many people that are working from home, and you have families at home as well, A lot of electricity is being used and a lot of power is being used and there are still ways to save. The best way to save energy is don't use it. And so not only reminding our children and ourselves to turn lights off, but in this day and age to turn our electronic appliances off, our electronic devices off. When you charge your cell phone and then you unplug it from your phone, if it's still plugged in to a wall socket, uh, if it does not have some type of smart switch that you have it plugged into, that energy is still being used. So people don't realize all of the ways that they're still using energy.